0: Welcome to Women of the Wild, where education and opportunities are key.
1: And friendships are made to last a lifetime. <laughs> Did you get him? <laughs> you think we got him? You think we got him? We got him. We said that yesterday. <laughs>
0: All right, Skylar, what do we got here? We've got a nice-looking head Yeah. Of women of the wild podcast i am your host linda white and i am here today with tana grinder i um, up in alaska hi tana how are you doing i'm doing great
1: just enjoying the darkness right now until the sun comes up oh no <laughs>
0: dark <laughs> yeah i forgot you guys are in your your long periods right now aren't you
1: yeah i mean it's like right after nine and it's still pitch dark outside
0: so it'll be light maybe
1: around 10 10 30 it's kind of weird
0: that's so funny because I complain like here, we just went through our time change and I complain that it gets dark around six o'clock, but when I wake up, it's nice and light. I could never imagine like, I mean, cause some of the days you're going through, they're almost like all day is dark, correct? Not where I'm at. I mean, I'm,
1: I'm more Southern in Alaska, but if you go up North, yeah, you have no daylight for <laughs> two to three months. So oh.
0: I couldn't handle that (laughs) no no I need a little I need a little bit of light I need to walk outside at at least at lunchtime and there be like some kind of light I can see something in front of me so yeah no I totally agree so let's jump into a little bit about who you are fellow listeners who you are kind of what you do what you stand for why I started stalking you kind of thing um (laughs)
1: Awesome. Well, my name is Tana. I originally grew up in Northern Idaho, and I had all brothers, so I was immersed in the outdoors from the time I was little. Little, like if I wanted to be with the family, and you know, (laughs) basically be a part of what they were doing, I had to be in the outdoors, hunting with them, fishing with them, you know, spending every waking moment in the outdoors. So I was immersed from a really young age. Um, After I I graduated high school, I had my pilot's license. And so I really started gaining this love for aviation. And when I looked to the place that, you know, would be the aviation capital, I thought Alaska, I'd never been to Alaska before. But I just had this wild hair that I need to move to Alaska all by myself. And I'm 19 years old. <laughs> and so I did. And I knew nobody. And I was like living with a family to be their nanny because I didn't have a place to live. I mean, I truly just immersed myself into Alaska, not knowing what I was going to do or I was going to have a plan. And then I started going, going to college there for an aviation degree. And that was kind of my start into, man, this place is untouched. There's so much land that you can just escape from the world and people and be able to hunt and like do all of these things that I love. And I always joke with people that I live in 19 or I live in 2023 now, but I want to live in like 1950. Like I should have been born in that era because the things that they did then is like the things that I really want to do, you know, trapping and hunting and uh, preserving your own food and garden, like doing all of that stuff. Right. And so once I visited the bush, because I was living in Anchorage at the time, I went out to a fishing lodge, which is where my future husband was working as a pilot And I just fell in love with the area. Like I fell in love with the ability to be off the road system that nobody could drive to me. I fell in love with the ability to just go out into the wilderness and not run into a single person, but only see animals. You know, that was just a huge draw of like what I loved. And so once I kind of went back and visited Idaho, I thought, you know, like I love Idaho. I love how I grew up here, but I just missed that. Like that's where I want to be. And so that's how I ended up in Bush, Alaska is just like slowly immersing myself into more and more remote places <laughs> until I ended up there. Um, so yeah, that that's a little bit about the outdoorsy side.
0: Well, you do a lot more though with your your husband now. Um, I mean, you're doing events, you're getting women involved, you're really, I mean, from what I can see between your fitness side of things and your outdoor side of things, you have no other life. I mean, it is, it is one or the other. Right. Yeah. You know, it's,
1: it's kind of interesting how I got here. I'm 31 years old now and we moved out here when we were pretty much newly married. We started doing um, seasonal work at these fishing lodges. And then we would go to North Dakota in the oil field in the winter to just make some money and like get by, you know, Mm -hmm. And we just realized we just want to be out here full-time. So we moved out here full-time in our mid-20s, newly married, no kids or anything. And I, again, had this love for aviation. I had an aviation degree in air traffic control. Like that was my plan to go be a controller. And my husband was going to be a pilot. And we were just going to live this life and always have this job, right? But I just always felt like there's something more. Like there's something I'm missing. And so I would quit that that job and I would move to another job and okay like I like helping people but like there's something more there's something I'm missing and throughout that whole process of me you know moving to Alaska and moving out here I was really into um, fitness and health because I had to be I had a lot of health issues from the time I was young and so I had to be really on top of my workouts and my nutrition and my gut health and everything and and so I just really fell in love with like man I just love helping people with their health. Like I would help my friends and I would help my family. I had my personal training certificate. So I was training people in the gym and I was teaching group classes on the side. And I just, I just really fell in love with that. And I thought, well, maybe I could just make my own business doing this, but I don't know how, you know, I was just still working like my 10 hour shifts (laughs) at this air taxi and kind of paying my dues. And I just, I wasn't happy. You know, I just felt like there was something I was missing. And so We also jumped into foster care and it was like a lot, but we jumped into foster care and we got a call and took in a sibling group of five kids, like basically overnight. And that forced me to start my business because before I was just so afraid, I was afraid to take the step. I was afraid to take that leap. And once I got my kids at home, I thought, well, I want to be like a stay at home mom, but I also want to work from home. And so that's where my online fitness business was born is when I got my kids and that grew you know within a couple of years but again like i was like there's something more like i love helping people i'm able to help all these women and and men and i'm helping them get healthy and be strong but what i found is that i was really passionate about working with outdoor people like people that love to be in the mountains want to be able to hike and so i love just training people and helping women with their hormonal health and everything but i love doing it um outdoor enthusiasts and people that really just love to live outside and want to perform really well in the mountains and live the life of their dreams without health barriers and without injuries and without pain. And so that's how I started dipping my toes into how do I help more people get outdoors and live their life? Um, Something else happened that really shifted me. So I was, you know, mainly running this online training business I started hiring some assistant coaches because we had a lot of clients and I couldn't keep up with it myself. And I wanted to really give people a lot of value mm-hmm. and do, you know, quality over quantity with coaching. I didn't want hundreds of clients. I wanted 20 clients that I could really spend a lot of time and energy on and help them. And I went on this bear hunt. I don't know if you know the story. Do you know the
0: story? I don't know the story. <laughs>
1: okay. I don't.
0: So yeah, tell us all about it.
1: So I went on this bear hunt spring of 2021 with my brother, brown bear hunt, biggest bears in the world on the Alaska Peninsula. And my brother at the time, he's an Idaho resident, but because I'm an Alaska resident, I can essentially guide him as a next of kin relative. Otherwise, if if you wanted to come up and you're not an Alaska resident, you have to pay a guide, you know, 30 to $40,000. To hunt a brown bear, but for my brother, he could just pay the tag fee, and I could essentially guide him because I'm a relative that's a resident. That's kind of how the rules work. So anyway, I take him out on this brown bear hunt. He was going to do it with a bow, so we had a bow and a rifle and a pistol as backup. I was already tagged out on bears, so I didn't have a tag in my pocket, and so just my brother and essentially we went to this kind of crazy spot and we had a really late winter so the bears were coming out of hibernation late they weren't down low where you could usually hunt them like in the grasslands and down on the beaches and stuff they were way up in the mountains in the snow just coming out of hibernation in the middle of season and so we weren't seeing much and we ended up finding this bear that was bedded down and sleeping for like 24 hours up on this like mountain peak of lots of snow And we just kept watching him and he just looked like this huge, beautiful bear. So we're like, well, we haven't seen anything else. We've been out here for five days. Like we only have a few days left that we're out here. Might as well go after him. And so it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to make it so much short. It's okay. It took like a full day to get up there because it was six miles through really rough terrain. Um, and we get up there and we get within 470 yards and that's about the closest that we can get And the bear's still sleeping i mean it's been sleeping for over a day so it must have just come out of hibernation he's sleeping up in the snow we're up in the alpine it's pretty sketchy (laughs) there's (laughs) spring snow but like my brother and i are both avid um snowboarders snowmobilers and so we understand like avalanche danger and how to read terrain Mm -hmm. and stuff We took safe lines to hike up there, but yeah, it was like slush to my knees. You know, we didn't have snowshoes. It's too steep for snowshoes. (laughs) So we get within 470 yards of this bear and we do a lot of hunting. And so um, we do a lot of long range hunting as well. We feel pretty confident out to 700 yards. We shoot a lot of animals up close and personal with a bow and also out to, you know, 700 yards pretty comfortably. So this 470 yard shot on a big bear is pretty simple. So we set up. And my brother shoots and he hits the bear like perfectly in the vitals. It gets up, doesn't die, shoots it again, still doesn't die, (laughs) shoots it again, still doesn't die. I mean, three really good hits and the bear's bleeding and he's not going down. Now, just to put into perspective, a lot of these Brown bears are, you know, over nine feet just from nose to tail. So when they stand up on their hind legs, they're 12 feet, 13, you know, I mean, they're large bears and they're very tough. (laughs) Even with a very big gun and a big caliber, this is a tough bear. Now, things went south when our uh, rifle jammed after oh, the no. third shot. And the bear saw us and the bear came after us.
0: Oh, no. And so
1: it was a pretty intense situation. We were downhill of the bear and he was sliding down toward us and he just like pinned us and tracked us down. My brother and I ran for our lives to try to get some cover. And because we were in the wide open in the snow and we had to at least hide behind something or get some distance because he had three big bullets in him and maybe he would die by the time he got to us, you know, but that didn't happen. We got behind the rocks and we were uh, just kind of waiting. And my brother's like, I think he's dying. I'm like, I think he's coming. I mean, I have a pretty (laughs) strong intuition and my intuition was like, he's coming, get ready. Yeah. And at that moment I looked up and he came over the hill and he pinned us at like 150 yards and came full bore. And he probably closed that distance in about 10 seconds. We had a rifle that was jammed. We had a bow. And now we had a pistol with five shots. And that was it. And so I was pretty defenseless. I basically hid behind this rock. And I watched my life flash before my eyes. I said goodbye to my kids and my family. I had six kids at the time. I just remember thinking, like, this is it. This is how I die, you know, as I'm watching this huge bear come directly at me. And my brother put you know four shots and he missed the first shot which was great he had five shots he missed the first one it like nicked the rock in front of the bear's nose oh. and he ended up turning it um on the second to last shot as it had one more lunge to come on top of me it turned because it was hurt bad enough and then he put one more in it and there was like this hill next to us and I just he disappeared behind the rock and I heard a sh- like an avalanche slide and so I knew he was now below us but I didn't know if he was dead we couldn't see him And so we took off running again. And it was this whole thing. I mean, it was 50 minutes time-lapse from the time that we shot the bear to the time that we found him dead. We were running for our lives that entire time. And so it was pretty intense experience. Um, He did end up dying on that last shot. And, but now we were, you know, seven miles from camp, way up in the mountains, And then like a hurricane monsoon hit like some 60 mile an hour winds. So nobody could come in and rescue us. I mean, it was just, it was wild. I started getting hypothermia. It was like everything that could go wrong went wrong other than the fact that we were able to kill the bear and it didn't eat us. Like we, we made it, you know, we had to survive the night on the mountain. We didn't have our tent or anything. So we had to like skin it out and pack it down to the creek bed. And we slept under a tarp in the monsoon, when it was blowing 60 and I was wet and I was hypothermic. (laughs) Like it was, it was this huge experience that looking back on it. I mean, I, I came out of that so messed up in the head and my nervous system. I mean, the amount of adrenaline that you have when that happens to you is insane. Yeah. You can't eat for days. You can't sleep. You have flashbacks. I mean, it's truly like a PTSD situation and it was a 10 foot six bear. So it was a record book bear. It's very wow. large. Um, And just like, it was literally one lunge from being on top of me. And so it was a pretty traumatic experience. And I just remember within the two weeks after I came home from that experience, I was just trying to immerse myself back in real life mm-hmm. when I couldn't sleep and I couldn't eat. And it was just like, so it impacted me so much. And I just kept thinking there's something I should be doing that I'm not. And it just like pushed me into this. I don't know. Like, I was just waiting for this sign of like, what do I need to be doing? I'm so confused. I tried, like, I did this, I did that, I did this. And I'm still like, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, that's life. We yeah. were led to things that we're meant to do. And then one night it came to me, and I just thought, I need to get w- women in the outdoors and teach them how to be safe and confident in the wilderness because that experience, I know I would not have survived if I didn't have the skills and the tools and the training that I had to survive it. Right. And I just thought, man, how many women could get themselves into situations like this and not know how to handle it and not make it out. And so that's where my retreats, <laughs> that's how my retreats were born. I had to be charged by one of the largest bears in the world, almost die for me to have this epiphany of, I need to do Wilderness retreats for women.
0: <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, I'm so. I'm glad that um when we started Women of the Wild, that wasn't that wasn't the experience we had. <laughs> yeah. you have to have a
1: traumatic experience for this to like hit you square in the face. Right. Uh,
0: yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so what um maybe explain a little bit about what some of your retreats are because that is that is one of the reasons why I asked you on because you do a lot of the same things that we do, but up in Alaska. Um, And and I would love for, for women who are up there maybe listening and are like, I can't get down to, to any of the lower 48 that, you know, to be a part of any of the women of the wild stuff. But I'd love to connect with another woman who's doing some of the similar things. So can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about, you know, what exactly the the women learn, what the retreats are all about, you know, what they're going yeah. to experience?
1: Yeah. So again, it was kind of like me figuring out what was what I was really passionate about, because for me, it was all about the intention behind it and the purpose behind it. I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to make any money off of this because I know overhead is very high to get up here but I don't even care. Like, this is something that I would be so incredibly passionate about to help women with. And so at first I thought maybe I need to travel to people. Like I live so remote. It's hard to get to me. Maybe I need to be traveling to other places and doing these different camps and like teach them how to be, you know, prepared and know how to survive, like survival skills and mm-hmm. like all this stuff, right? Like I could be on a stage. I could go travel here. I could go to the cities. I could go to these different camps, right? And instruct to teach or whatever. Yeah. And then- it just kept coming back to me like, no, like the bush of Alaska is the most remote you can get and is a real experience. This is where you thrive. Like this is your environment. This is where you love to be. Show women that. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. Like these are just all thoughts that are running through my head. And so I did not know how successful it was going to be. I, I literally planted in my head for five months. I was I didn't really know what it was going to be like, but I just kept waiting for, for the answers to come and and just my ideas of what I needed to do to help these women. And I just put it out. Like I made, I remember making a reel on social media and I was like, going to launch one camp and open it to eight to 10 women this past summer. And I put it out and I got like 200 people on the wait list. And everybody was sharing it and everybody was freaking out. And I was like, okay, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like there's this much interest for people to come to Bush Alaska and like live in the wilderness and be homeless people for a while. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, they can go I, to
0: California uh, and just hang out right. if they really want to go to like
1: a bougie retreat and like get <laughs> massages and stuff. And you want to live in a tent and like. Go through miserable experiences to get stronger. Awesome. These are my people, right? And so I I opened it up one day. I was like, tickets open this day and this time. And it sold out within seconds. And then I talked to my team and I was like, should we open another one? They're like, yep. Yeah. And we opened another one. It sold out in seconds. And we're like, okay, wanna do one more? <laughs> and we are like, yeah. And we opened that one, it sold out that day. So we now had three camps like filled in a matter of a few minutes, but you know, it was again, like five months in the making of mm-hmm. what do I want this to be like? And so, yeah, we ran three retreats this last summer and we just did the same one all three times. So it, it, we called it the wild women's wilderness retreat because I wanted it to be very much like in the wilderness, in the bush, off the road system. Like you have to fly here and then we get in a smaller plane and then we fly out into the remote wilderness where you're stuck, you know, for a few days. And during that time, I just really wanted to, A, help women connect with other women like them, Mm -hmm. right? B, I wanted to help them gain skills and confidence in the outdoors. So, you know, a lot of these women aren't like, oh, I can only go if my husband's with me, Mm -hmm. or I'm scared to go by myself, or I'm really not confident you know, if I go out on a hike with my kids that I know how to protect myself if something happens. And so we teach skills from, you know, trusting your intuition for one, but like fire building and um, shelter building and all of those survival skills that you need if everything goes wrong in wilderness first aid and stuff. We do fun stuff as well, like fly fishing. We have really great fly fishing out here, fly fishing and hiking and swimming and all that. If the weather's good and then we go on a hike too and we talk a lot about physical preparedness keeping your body healthy um what else do you I feel like there's so many things i'm like what do we even do <laughs> <laughs> we're out there for like 5 days and we're doing things constantly um but yeah a lot of it's about wilderness safety wilderness skills wilderness survival um being physically prepared working on your health and just the confidence like the confidence and the connection that you get with experiencing something out here and to I call it like the real Alaska experience. This isn't like, oh, you come up and you go on a charter boat and it's like, all right, I'm going to drop you off in the middle of nowhere. If you can survive those six days with me, you can get through anything. And that's kind of the whole purpose of that is just to really empower women to get out there and do it on their own and, and feel really safe and confident with it, to be prepared to have all the right gear. Um, Last year we did a little bit of archery this year, I added a whole nother day of rifle Pistol and archery instruction, like a whole day of that. So we've expanded it a little bit and added some more because I feel like that's a really important piece of it as well.
0: Especially if a bear's coming after you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You know, you know,
1: bears don't just charge you in Alaska. I've been charged um, four different times and two of those times were in Idaho with, with grizzlies.
0: Oh my gosh. So I've never been charged by a bear. Um, I'd like to point that out there, but uh, it sounds like I definitely need to come to these classes and just in case. So, so what has the feedback been, Um, you know, I'm sure that th- these ladies didn't just come and then leave, you know, and, and you've never heard from them again, you know, have any of them really put some of those skills to use in, in life that, you know, when they've come back? Absolutely. So, yeah, I,
1: I basically didn't have a lot of friends (laughs) just like before these retreats. And now I'm so lucky because we all came as strangers and we all left as friends. We still talk to this day. Um, A few of us just did a hunting retreat in Hawaii as well. My friend put this on and I helped her plan it. And we did a Hawaii women's hunting retreat. And so a couple of the women that came to my retreat also went to that one. Um, and now I'm doing these virtual collectives where if you can't come to an event in person, let's do an eight week program to teach you a lot of the stuff that you can apply into your life and into your hunts and stuff. And now a lot of them are in that. So it's really cool. Like we we've been doing programs together since then we've been doing other retreats. We meet up like when I'm in town or whatever, um, you know, we'll go and have dinner. I mean, you really come as strangers and leave as friends. And I think that's, I don't know what hesitations you get from people, but Usually it's like, well, I'm afraid I don't know anybody. That's the purpose, you know? (laughs) How can you get out of your shell, like get into uncomfortable situations because extreme growth happens there. And I guess that's the other thing I forgot to touch on is, you know, in these retreats, we work on a lot of like mindset, mental health and your personal growth. And really it's such a powerful disconnection from everyday life and stress. One thing I love about my retreat locations is there is no cell service. Mm-hmm. You cannot be on your phone. You cannot text anybody. You can't contact anybody. So you are literally forced to be in nature and sit with yourself with zero distractions. How many times do we get that? Whether it's as moms or business owners or people that work all the time, you know, with busy life, we never get time to go and sit in silence with ourselves with zero cell service four days. Like it's one of my greatest medicines truly for reconnecting with myself being able to disconnect from the world and reconnect in nature like it it that alone I feel like is one of the most powerful things that you can get out of a retreat that's remote like that
0: yeah no I I can I can definitely see that I can definitely see uh well mainly because you'd be talking to yourself you better like yourself then <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and, a group too, and, and like I said people are so worried like who's gonna be there am I gonna fit in That's the problem with our society is we're afraid to be in groups unless we're just like everybody else. We're not meant to be like everybody else. And so it was really cool to bring in. I mean, we ended up with 10 women per retreat. Um, And then I had a few mentors like on my team that helped instruct and stuff. It was like a two to one ratio with instructors. But it was really cool because we all came from different places. You know, we were all very different people as far as our lives and our circumstances and stuff. But we all had so much in common as far as our passions and what lights us up. And I mean, everybody just wanted to go live in a tent for, you know, five days with us. So there has to be something said about that. And so I guess if anybody has hesitations about going to camps or going retreats or going to events, my biggest um, advice would be don't let your fears of the unknown hold you back. If this is something that you feel like you need to do, jump and do it. Yeah. Don't talk yourself out of it the finances. Yeah, they're important, but money's replaceable. These types of experiences can change your life. And I still get messages from people like, look at this deer that I killed. I applied like what I learned at the retreat and I was able to do this on my own. And you know, that kind of stuff like makes it all worth it to me. So it's been really, really rewarding.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it. It sounds fantastic. Um, so now your husband, he is, he's an avid outdoorsman as well. So, um, do you ever have like a little bit of a competition, you know, in there as like, Oh no, I can do this better. or I can, you know what I mean? Like, do you ever have that? Cause like, so my husband and I, we track (laughs) together and, and I definitely, I definitely have that. I'm not going to leave and lie. Like I am like, Nope, this was my set and look who caught this. Exactly.
1: (laughs) No, I, yeah, for sure. Um, I would like to point out that I'm winning on Wolves this year.
0: (laughs) I did see that. I did see that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're, I've surpassed him with that. So it definitely is a competition. (laughs) Uh no, but we really make a good team. And I had some surprises with the retreats this year. I had him drop pizza, like in the middle of our hike to a waterfall and candy and stuff and like just things that you wouldn't get in the bush. And so he... He makes an or him and I make an incredible team together. He was so supportive with the retreats. He was really excited to watch me do it. He's like, just, man, it's so cool to see you in your element. This is like where you belong. And he's really supportive with that. So yeah, with our adventures, it's definitely like underlying, maybe a competition of like, who's better. <laughs> I mean, there's always that of like, I just got another wolf. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> am what I winning? Are you doing? <laughs> But, he's very much supportive of me, like, I want you to do this, and you know, I'll hand him the gun like, I want you to shoot this. So
0: it goes both ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I well, um, so going back to your bear story, we actually so I live in New York. um, I'm in the southern tier of New York. so not with all the building. i uh, I, I live on a, a seventy one acres of land, and we have a uh, a bear that likes to live behind our house. And I have now, see, we're probably a lot more restricted on how we can hunt and and everything than you are. But um, so I've been stalking this bear for two years. um, And my husband likes to point out that he has killed two bears already behind our house. And (laughs) that it is taking me two years. And I still have yet to kill a bear behind our house. So (laughs) that's funny. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And now a short word from our sponsors. Hey everyone, Andy from ACC Crappie Sticks. I want to tell you about our full line of vertical jigging and live scoping crappie rods. We have from 10 foot to 13 foot in mid seat to rear seat and available in cork and super grip handles to cover all of your vertical fishing and live scoping needs. Go to acccrappiesticks.com. Thank you. Spark that fire and passion for the great outdoors through the gift of reading and learning with your kids. Dr. Josh Farr's vivid storytelling will
1: captivate and teach your little ones through books like The ABCs of Hunting. Let's go out and play and his latest book, coming soon, The ABCs of the Outdoors. Your kids will love the great stories and bright, colorful pictures as they learn about friendship, life, and nature. See all of Dr. Josh Farr's books at drjoshfarr.com. That's D-R-J-O-S-H-F-A-R-R.com.
0: Well, you see, trappers are a
1: special breed of people. We're dedicated, committed, and passionate about what we do and who we are. Each and every one of us has an intense desire to be the very best we can. So in a world of skinny jeans, man buns, and pumpkin spice lattes, sometimes you just have to stop, push back, and tell the world, that's not me. Whether you're from the far north or in the deep south and anywhere in between, Southern Snares can help you succeed at getting the job
0: done and being who you are.
1: Girls with Guns clothing is a proud sponsor of Women of the Wild's podcast. If you're looking for hunting gear, be sure to check out our new fall collection, including the launch of our new Artemis Generation 2 lineup. With Girls with Guns, you know that our gear has been designed and field tested by women who actually hunt and wear this gear. We have an amazing team of women who contribute and share their ideas and extensive field testing so that our gear works for you in multiple hunting environments. We build our gear for women of all shapes and sizes made by women for women. If you want to try out GWG, you can go to GWGclothing.com and use Wild 15
0: for a discount off of your first order. We would also like you to check out Sawmill Creek, Bait and Lures, RMC Custom Calls, Atlantic Coral Enterprise, Blast and Cast Guide Service, Epler Fur, Feather Moon Calls, Shangalaya Safaris, Shelly Emmer with Dirty Girl Guide Service, and Hunting Day Podcast. So um getting back a little bit to to the retreats and everything um now now that you're diving more into women in in the outdoors getting women involved in everything um what is the growth that you have seen in the community i mean as far as i'm concerned the last say 5 maybe 10 years women in the outdoors has exploded um yeah you know, from, from social media to sharing and, and everything else, you know, in between it, in my opinion, it really has exploded. So how do you see the community up in Alaska, you know, women reaching out, networking, getting more involved? How do you see that? How do you experience that?
1: I think it's huge. I think it's the next biggest empire. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I want my mission to be is to help to build this strong empire of capable skilled outdoor women like if i can be a catalyst in that and a big player in that to help people do that i don't know everything that's why i love like people like you and stuff hold these camps because i can't be everywhere right and i value my camps but i'm seeing more and more camps and events and things pop up all over the country and it's really amazing i think because it's getting women or it's it's providing a safe space for them because i think a lot of women are not raised in a in an environment or in a home that was super conducive to hey let's go outside and let me teach you how to skin this animal and let me show you how to track and teach you how to you know shoot you know like right. we aren't really always taught that and it's just different it's a different generation right our generation prior to us our grandparents Um, you know, our grandmothers maybe didn't hunt, they were home, they were cooking, they were gardening, they were taking care of the kids and the men like went out and did that. So we're seeing this shift in society to where we want that too. We can be capable. We can do that too. And so I think it's important to have these opportunities and spaces for women to come and feel safe, right? right? To not feel like they're going to be judged or feel like they're going to be dumb if they ask a question. Um I love my brothers. I love my my family. They're amazing. But they pushed me really hard when I was little and I felt really incapable because I could never keep up with them and I couldn't like do things that they could do and I wasn't as good as they were at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I had to learn in other ways and kind of learn on my own. And so just being able to have those safe spaces and mentors that can teach you and like cut that learning time in half but also allow them to connect with other women that maybe live near them or that they can go hunt with. That's really, I think, super powerful. So I I do believe that the community of outdoor women is growing just because of these different opportunities and spaces that are um, provided.
0: Yeah, no, sense. I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I actually, um, last March was in Alaska um, for the women's trapping summit that we had up there. And yeah, oh, cool. um, I was a, I was a guest speaker because I talked to a lot of women throughout the, the trapping community about getting involved and, and all those things. And, um, one of the things that I had heard was from, from a lot of women was that they didn't realize that they could do this too, that they thought that it was like, you know, this is a guy thing. Like, you know, those traps are very cumbersome or I'm not strong enough or I can't do that. And I think that it's so important for, for women everywhere to see people like you and like, you know, anyone, you know, that where, Hey, I'm, I'm not the biggest person. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not burly. I'm not maybe the strongest, but I can do this. And yeah, I might have to tweak it a little bit from what my husband does or, you know, anything like that, but, but I can do these things. And I think it's so important, like camps, like that you're holding and that like the women in the wild were holding it allows you to network and connect with other women who, who have some struggles, who don't have the confidence that they can do this, you know, and, and I think it's fabulous. I absolutely think it's fantastic. So if, if anybody wanted to connect with you, how would they get a hold of you? Um, what are, what are some of the ways that they can network and reach out?
1: Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram. So my Instagram is Tana Sue. Underscore fit. Um, I hate that handle, by the way. I, I made it like years ago, just <laughs> when I just started like my fitness stuff. And then like people knew me as that. I'm like, I really don't like being known.
0: <laughs> like, I need to change my name. <laughs> but just, yeah, Tamasu. <laughs> Tamasu. They, Sue they fit. wouldn't know where to find you then if you did. <laughs> They'd yeah. be like, wait a minute.
1: Like, I feel like this is like a name I made when I was 19. <laughs> 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 like MySpace.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so Tennessee fit and then Bristol Bay retreats and Bristol Bay fitness. I have, um, all of those on Instagram. And then I also have the websites, Bristol dot and bristolbayretreats.com So,
0: and what are some of the retreats that you have coming up? When, when are they, are they full already? Is there a waiting list these ladies can get on that are up there? Yeah. So this year
1: I've got two, Wilderness women's retreats, just like we did last year, I have like two spots left there. um, And that's in July. So like the last two weeks in July, we're doing two weeks in a row. I'm also doing a women's leadership retreat. So taking women that want to be leaders or maybe your business owners and helping them disconnect from their really, really busy life of growing and expanding and running companies or, you know, just even like somebody like you that's doing things all the time. And helping them to disconnect and doing a lot of leadership training with personal growth. So that leadership retreat is going to follow the women's ones. And then my husband and I are doing a couples retreat also, which is going to be like a fun retreat. It's not necessarily like, oh, we're going to do all these survival skills, but it's like come out with us and live this really cool experience in Alaska because we do all sorts of things. We fish, we shed hunt, we beach comb, um, we hike, like we hunt, we do so many cool things that people are like, man, I just really want to come experience that. And so, yeah, we have a couple spots left in that one as well.
0: Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. And when is that one that's in August? Is that what you said? The couples one is the end of June.
1: June. So the 24th to the 30th. And then the women's wilderness one for women only is the 10th to the 16th. And then the next one is the 17th to the 23rd
0: of July. July.
1: Okay. And the leadership one for women is the 24th of July to the 30th so you're really busy. Yeah. Those two months. (laughs) (laughs) And we also, I haven't really advertised this a lot, but we do custom retreats too. Like if a family wants to come up and they want to plan a private trip and tour with their family, we're doing that in August. So we have a family coming up and or like if somebody, if, or if a business wants to bring their whole team out and do like a corporate retreat, I take those customer retreats as well. And we just plan the activities and stuff based on what they need specifically. And then I bring in other instructors and like experts in those fields to help teach it. So yeah, I'm really excited. Like it's something I, you know, I really want to grow and expand and again, just serve as many people as I possibly can Yeah. in this space because it's lacking. And like, this is going to be the next like strongest empire, I think that's going to come out of this
0: yeah no I can I can definitely see that I can also see that you're not going to go through another period where you're like well I feel like I'm missing something
1: <laughs> I feel like I mean I'm sure there's always going to be those hesitations of what's next but I feel like I've made it Yeah, just because like I'm absolutely doing what I love you know and I feel really blessed to do that because I know a lot of people are stuck in jobs or lives and stuff that they just really don't feel lit up by. And I can honestly say, I love what I do. And if I died tomorrow by a bear or whatever, like I would be completely content. Like I lived the life that I needed to, I helped the people that I needed to. And so I just always tell people like, you got to live like it's your last day. Cause you never know. Like right. I've had so many close calls this, this fall while I was hunting moose, I was charged by a moose and I had to, dispatch a moose with the pistol the same pistol that saved my life on the bear um and i protected myself there and i was confident in doing it and so it's just like yeah i have these crappy experiences but also i'm really i feel capable enough to protect myself and handle any situation and i want every woman that wants to be outside to feel that way to not have those like i mean and we're gonna have fears i always tell women like i'm afraid of the dark i'm like it's that's good I'm afraid of bears. Yeah, me too. Like fear keeps us alive. Yeah. Fear is a good thing. We can work on our the things that we're uncomfortable in because we like to stay comfortable, right? We have to get out of our comfort zone. We can't let the fears of like, oh, the unknown, or what if this happens, or what if that happens? We can't let that hold us back, but we can embrace those fears that keep us alive, and that's fine. And so I try to teach that as
0: well. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Have you had, have you had anybody, um, message you or say, you know, I had those fears and now I've, I've really overcome them. They're not, it's not so scary anymore to me. It's not something that I run from. It's more of something I run into, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I think just like anything, like
1: when you're training a muscle, you're going to the gym for the first time, you're doing something that's new. You're afraid of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, you're trying to go up and then you learn how to do the pull-up and then you can do five pull-ups with ease. It's, it's just like training a muscle. You have to train your mind to overcome a lot of the things that holds us back. And by immersing yourself into experiences and doing it, like learning it and then doing it and putting it into action, you build that muscle over and over and over. You just feel more confident, more capable, more safe, more skilled. And that's the whole goal. So you have to like, put that into action so
0: yeah and I think like in my opinion I I say this on a lot of podcasts I feel like COVID with a lot of women kind of woke them up to hey I need some skills I need to be able to take care of my family in case the grocery store is not open or in case you know their shipping containers sitting out in the yeah. bay and I've got nothing at home. Like, you know, I think that a lot of ladies have have started to see that. Um, And in in my opinion as well, I feel like a lot of a lot of women these days are divorced. You know, we have a lot of women who are taking care of their children Um, that yeah. either, you know, dad is in the picture or maybe he's not. And I think that women are starting to realize like, hey, I need to be mom and dad. I need to be able to teach my son some skills of how to be a man, how to take care of himself and how I can take care of myself and my family. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I've I've seen it. And I I don't know if that's experiences that you've seen as well, but that's just how I have seen from some of the ladies that come through our events and our groups. Yep. And if you think about it, I mean, even
1: look at this egg shortage. You think about, what's to come and how are you prepared if everything shut down and you had no access to any of the outside world or stores or anything would you be able to protect yourself and your family and could you survive right yeah could you could you be able to go out and hunt and grow a garden and preserve your food and like do all of this stuff And that's why I think it's becoming so huge. Because yeah, we had those wake up calls of like, look what happens when everything shuts down. Are you prepared? And Bush Alaska has prepared me for that a lot because I, even on a daily basis, I can't get stuff out here. (laughs) It's kind of like I, it's up to me. But the other thing too, and we were actually talking about this on our women's collective. So for those that don't really know what a collective is, it's like a virtual group, you know, of women that come together. We do it over Zoom. And I'm bringing in guest speakers every couple of weeks. We have topics and this week is all about hormones and like how we can support our health is active women that hike hard or hunt hard or, you know, do all of this stuff and are kind of entering into more of those male roles that were before us. Mm-hmm. And what Dr. Hillary Lamper said, as she was giving us this little chat. She just explained like the difference between men and women. And she's like, you know, men are really strong and they, they kind of have like a very focused mind and they can go hunt. And that's why they make really good providers. And they're, you know, you feel safe with them and they're not afraid of anything or whatever, but women, she's like, we have a different set of skills and our skills and what we're made for is to protect our young and to protect ourselves. If anything were to happen, like if you think about a long time ago, the men were out hunting and stuff and the women had to, protect their young and keep one eye open and be able. And so we have the ability to multitask and do all sorts of things. And then when it comes to the physical aspect, men are really strong and powerful. Women are more agile. And so we kind of have different strengths in the outdoors against men, I guess. But what's cool is we have the ability to still do those things. We just might do it in a different way, right? Like whether you're hiking. Like I know when I hunt with my husband, I'm like, literally, why would you stalk an animal like that? We we should do it this way. (laughs) You know, like we just think differently and we pick different routes based on like our body type and everything. So I think it's really important as females to recognize we have the ability to do a lot of this stuff, to provide for our families, to hunt, to hike, to be in the wilderness and do all of this. It just may not look like how your man does it. If you don't, if you're doing it on your own, it doesn't mean that there's a wrong way. It's just embrace your strengths versus, like maybe how you saw your your dad or your grandfather do it. Do it in a way that is like, you know, feels good to you. And so I think a lot of people get hung up on that, or at least I did. Like, oh, I do it this way because like this is how my husband does it. I can do it the way that I feel <laughs> because I have an intuition that's strong. You know, we have strong intuitions as yeah. females. We have more agile bodies lots of endurance we have the ability to protect we have those innate strengths in us and so like pulling those out and strengthening those I think is really important
0: yeah it's it's interesting that you say that because um so the trap line for instance um like I said my husband and I we compete a lot um I'm really I'm a really good land trapper and not such a great water trapper because I don't like to get cold and wet um my husband on the other hand is a really good water trapper um and i think that a lot of the reason that is is because a women pay attention to detail more so mm-hmm. i pay attention to details that he doesn't so as far as land trapping you know i see things that like he'll go into a place and he'll be like i'm going to set it here and i'm like well i noticed this and i noticed this and i saw that or like even if we're hiking I'll be like, "Oh, did you see those tracks back there?" And he's like, "What tracks? Where? What? <laughs> you know, like um, yeah, they're like tunnel vision, right? Mind, like that's how they're
1: built, and we're built to like notice everything, and we can yeah. multitask. We have so many different parts of our brain working at the same time. So, yeah, yeah. it's very interesting.
0: <laughs> and, and I don't know if you've ever seen like on my Instagram, but I have pink tracks, and I have pink tracks. Oh, yeah. and- so, so people have said to me, oh, well, you like the color pink and whatever. And I do. I mean, it's obviously. But I have pink traps because I can check my traps from yards away. You know, with pair binoculars, I can see if that pink trap is poked out of the ground. And it all started because my husband kept telling me how pokey I was. He could get to his traps and back and I'm still like looking at the flowers over here. And I'm like, oh, there's tracks <laughs> over there. And did you see the scat? And like. So, you know, I was noticing all these other things and he's like run into the trap, coming back and so it was a it was a way to speed things up a little bit cuz my husband was like I don't want you noticing all this other stuff. Look for the trap, is the trap up out of the ground? All right, let's get out of here. You know, those kind of things. But They're, like um, so mission driven, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He is. He, I call him like my bull in a china shop because when we're out he's like, go, 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 go. It doesn't matter if he ran something over or whatever. He's like, he's on it. And yep. here I'm kind of like, oh, it's a butterfly and the tree and, you know, like, did you see the bluebird and all those fun other things. So, you know. You're like, who cares? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I noticed it on all the things that him and I do together. and and my husband and I do a lot of stuff together in the outdoors. Um we're very similar to you and your husband. um and it is. it's it's crazy how different we are. And he gets so frustrated sometimes. He's like, Linda, just put it in the ground. And I'm like, yeah, but what about this? And I've got to do that. And um, it's very different on how we see things and how we go about things, but the end results are the same. And I think that's so important for women to realize like you don't have to do it how your husband does it to get it done you know um and like you were saying our bodies are made differently we need to embrace how they're made our strengths that we have and use those strengths which are not the same as your husband's strengths
1: (laughs) yep oh a hundred percent and your hormones too change your you know men's don't really (laughs) just kind of that are the same every day and ours are different every day. And so also learning to just listen to your body, I think is really important Um, as being an outdoor woman, listen to your body, rest when you need to push it when you need to, but don't kill yourself completely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I fully agree. So I try to normally keep these to roughly about an hour. Um, I find that, you know, a little over an hour, people fall asleep. So I don't want that. I want them to hear everything that you're saying. So um, is there anything that you would like to add before we sign off? Any kind of advice you'd like to give to anybody out there listening? Anything that maybe we didn't cover? I think we went over a lot.
1: We I think did. my biggest
0: advice is just go
1: out and live your life. Do the things that you want to do. Surround yourself with the people you want to be surrounded by. Don't be afraid of all the unknowns and everything. Just get out there and do it. Because as you do it, you'll you'll really find your tribe. You'll find the people that you can relate with. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot more women out there like us than you realize. <laughs> I used to think I was one of the only ones growing up with boys. i like, well, none of my friends like to go out. They all want to go shopping. I don't want to go shopping. <laughs> but there are more people out there um, that want to do this. So find your tribe, get yourself into these events, learn. Anytime you are in a survival, like a true survival situation or emergency, you go back to what your training is. And if you don't have those skills and that training, you're gonna be in a pretty hard place and not be able to really thrive in those situations. So the more prepared you can be, the more skilled you can be, the more you can learn, the better.
0: I agree. I agree. Um we will in our links, we'll have um, a link to your website and to be able to to get a hold of you. Um I got to tell you, ladies, she's she's very easy to talk to. You can send her a message and say, hey, you want to do this? And she's like, "Okay, let's do it. What are we doing? (laughs) Um, So so reach out. Don't be intimidated. If you have any questions, um, you know, you want to you want to talk to her about what she's doing. Please reach out. Um, Instagram is is really your best way, right? Yeah. Yep. My DMs are always open. All right. Sounds great. So thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Um, Hopefully it's light outside now that uh, we're done talking and and you can go out and enjoy the outdoors. Nope, not yet. Not yet. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much. And we appreciate your time. Thanks, Linda. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that concludes this episode of Women of the Wild podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you have any questions or would like to check out our website, it is www.womenofthewild.net. We post different events and everything that we've got going on. We would really like to also thank our sponsors: ACC Crappie Sticks, Girls with Guns, Southern Snare, Sawmill Creek Baits and Lures, RMC Custom Calls, Atlantic Coral Enterprise, Blast and Cast. Guide Service, Epler Fur, Feather Moon Calls, Shangolia Safari, Dr. Josh Farr Children's Books, and Shelly Emmer with Dirty Girl Guide Service. Thank you all and hope that you tune in in two weeks for our next episode.